Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. Chris here. I hope you are keeping well and staying safe. And we are back once again to talk about some Scottish women's football action. And there has been lots of it. And because there's been lots of it, and because I wasn't able to get to some of it on Sunday, I'm joined by my good buddy, Campbell Finlayson. Campbell, how are you doing? I am class, Chris. Um, nice relaxed week, a brilliant Saturday to look forward to. And that's about it. And that's what makes me happy at the minute. So, I mean... Whether that's sad or not, who knows? But anyway, yeah, I'm good. Let's talk. Let's talk. Okay, I thought you were going to finish that, but we won't, so we'll carry on. But yeah, nope. we are here. We are here to talk about <laughs> Scottish women's football. And yeah, lots has happened. Um, we're going to review the SWPL Cup action from the weekend that just passed. We're going to talk about sponsorship, because uh, some dollar, dollar, dollar has come raining into the SWPL. Uh, and we're also going to talk about the Scotland national team squad ahead of Crucial. And I use the crowd Crucial because I think it's apt on this occasion, a qualifiers against Ukraine and then Spain uh, in the coming week and a bit. But Campbell, let's start with the SWPL Cup. Um, we have our two finalists for the final in December the 5th at Fur Hill. It's going to be a Glasgow City versus Celtic final. But before we get there... We obviously have to talk through the two semi-finals and you made your way up to Fourth Bank Stadium. I was having a, a day off uh, on, on Sunday, but I was keeping track of it as I went through and I have watched them back now as well. So I had a day off, I just had to do more hours later on in the week, but uh, that's all good. Uh, but yeah, do you want to kind of give us a wee then? First of all, what was, uh, what was your day like at Fourth Bank and then we'll get into the games? It was disappointing because the food compared to the last time we went was just crap. Um no great sandwiches. Lucky if you get a little one pie each, which and it's the mini pies too. So I know very good in that aspect. It was also very cool. But that's fourth bank for you into um I think it's probably the final that most people would have wanted, just in terms of it's two of the top three teams in the country at the minute. Um on both sides kind of got the job done in the end, despite not being at their best. I mean Glasgow City first up were we're playing a Spartans team who'd obviously beaten 9-0 and I think Spartans and a lot of folks worry was kind of don't lose that heavily again because obviously you're wanting, you're wanting good semi-finals, you're wanting competitive games at that level of any competition. So Spartans um, can roll their luck a bit first 10 minutes, but once they kind of held off that city, that city start, well, I mean, they should have scored about three goals. Lord Davidson and Anifa Colville both missing great chances and then Spartans, to their credit, from about 15 minutes to the other mark, were right in the game. Um, played really well and Kind of, I know the players missing and some of the, the kind of players I've got on the bench there are more experienced players that couldn't play because they weren't fully fit. Um, only 14 fully fit players there obviously doesn't help them, but they put in a great shift and then could have been ahead themselves. And unfortunately, once for them, once City took the lead, that was, was only one way the game was going. Um, they got a second goal pretty soon after as well from Hayley Lauder and then Priscilla Chinchia got her second and one of your favourite goals um, with that kind of sort of acrobatic finish at the back post in stoppage time. And 3-0 was... Maybe a bit harsh in Spartans. I think City deserved to win on the on the whole, but Spartans were, were more than a, they played more than a, their fair share in the game. Um, and then that was City through, and with City through, you were then coming to what most people expected to be a more kind of more competitive game with Hibs and Celtic. Um, and again, nothing against Hibs, but I think once City were through with the results, the way they've been going within themselves and Hibs recently, I think most folk were kind of hoping it would be Celtic through. Um, and they got there, but it wasn't easy. Again, Hibs in the first half, similar as in the last round, they up at Aberdeen were relentless. They were right in Celtic's face. They've scored probably the goal of the tournament as well through Rachel Boyle that I know you've you've plugged about an hour ago. It was just, the whole move is brilliant and then it's a fantastic finish from herself. Um, and the second half, kind of Hibs, the Ramers can obviously don't concede early, but again, something Hibs keep doing constantly at the minute is losing goals in that first five minutes after the restart and 
this time it took less than a minute, I think it was, for Jacinta to score. What well, was a good strike, but I mean, Gabby English will feel she probably should have saved it. And then from then Celtic kind of took the game at Hibs a bit more, kind of looked like they were going to be on top. But again, Hibs, to their credit, were, were right in the match and ultimately only lost it later on with another great finish from Charlie Wellings. But Celtic probably on the face of it, just about is the thing. But Hibs certainly will, will kind of feel feel a bit hard done by it to go out in the way they did. But we've got Celtic, Glasgow City, it's an actual Glasgow derby and it's in Glasgow too. So that helps everyone. And should it be a cracking game at Fur Hill um, at the start of next month? Yeah, I think it will be. I think I think we've talked about before how this game tends to have a bit more intensity to it um, than other games tend to. So I think that that will certainly come to the fore. But um, let's let's talk about the two games separately a little bit in a bit more detail. Um, and then we've obviously got some interviews as well with some banging tunes in the background. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to those as well. But yeah, uh, early kickoff, Glasgow City against Spartans. Uh, look, the crowd that was there, it looked on on screen, it kind of looked like the kind of crowd I would expect for a 12 o'clock kickoff in Stirling for a Glasgow City against Spartans game. So I think that's as it is. But you mentioned obviously the fact that Glasgow City started very quickly, had those chances. And at that point, as I was kind of during the day on Sunday, checking my phone slash going onto YouTube when something was happening, um, mash up as I was doing, um, I started to wonder if this could be one of those days where Spartans get results, especially going in at half time. Um, no, no. Yeah, I mean, your hope a lot of times when you're going to watch some of these games, you're thinking, as a neutral, you don't really want the big team running away with things. And in the first 10 minutes, there was that kind of feeling of, right, City are, are going to go and win this comfortably. Um, I still don't know how Lauren Davidson's missed from about five, six yards out in the middle of the goal. It's good finish area for Kova, let's say, as well. He's missed some too. And then Spartans, I think, once they'd weathered that storm, they kind of grew into the game really well. And it was tough going forward. Obviously, Becky Albraith still not fully fit, so she didn't come on at any point. But for Callie Gibb up front there, she ran herself into the ground. A really good game for Spartans. Um, it was just obviously a bit unlucky that she's on the on the losing side, but it was constantly chasing everything down. And as much as they didn't create too much, I mean, a couple of half chances for Tegan Reynolds, probably their best, really. Um, they wanted a penalty or an indirect free kick, either for a foul on, on Callie Gibb or a handball from um, uh, Lee Alexander, but I don't think either was. And then... You're coming in at half-time at 0-0 thinking, right, it was a good first half, to be fair. I mean, both teams were trying to attack. It was a good game to watch, and you're kind of hoping that, again, like you've said, Spartans can keep that going, and and they did for, for quite a while. Um, City's only goal was a very good goal as well. It's just a great pass from Maddie Fulton through to um, Priscilla Chinchilla, and then once she's put it away, you're thinking, right, kind of regroup and see how, where Spartans can go, and instead, once they've lost that second goal right away, that, that one that would, that would disappoint Debbie McCulloch. It was, it was poor down the left-hand side, getting left two on one, and then Healy Lauders just wanted it more in the middle, and for that point on, City were kind of in control, Spartans couldn't really get forward as much as they wanted, but at that point, players were beginning to tie, there was a couple of wee niggly injuries too, and then City got the third, like we said, late on, maybe a wee bit harsh on Spartans, but I think on the whole, on the, on the whole, it was a, a deserved win for City, but one way, they kind of did take a while to get going, and that's something that might worry Eileen Gleeson, but it's obviously very early days for us since, um, since taking over for Grant Scott. Yeah, of course, it was Ireland Gleeson's first, first match in charge. We're also going to hear from her in a wee, wee bit kind of post-match. But what was your early indications looking at it from the first performance? It's always very hard. She's only really been in the job for a week. Uh, I know she's referenced that as well. But what was the early indications? Did you notice anything different from Glasgow City and in, in real life that you'd seen before? Not really, to be honest with you. I mean, they started their game again, like they seem to always do, with a real high intensity and looking to get an early goal and let's say trouble should have done. And then... I think if they'd gotten that, it would have been an entirely different game and you would have seen a, kind of a Glasgow City that once they're in control, you know what they're like, sort of. Um, I mean, easy for anyone. And 
that's what you kind of expected, but instead they were they were far too slow and Spartans were getting right in their face. But there were so many times at the back when both centre backs were kind of wanting to take a touch and then looked to where to go and they were just so slow. And they were maybe a bit lucky that Spartans, when they took the ball off them, couldn't do anything with it. But I think once City got the goal, say that was more what you're used to seeing from them. There wasn't really too much that changed. Um, going forward, maybe was a wee bit surprised that there wasn't a kind of a main strike such. We need for Colville, seemed to be the one down the middle. Um, and She's just not really a centre forward. They did get the ball wide quite a lot right enough, Glasgow City, which is something that, again, that you see them try to do, but a lot more often than what I've previously watched them from. I mean, two of the three goals have come from crosses. There are plenty in the first half as well. I mean, Spartans playing three at the back probably helped with that, but the space Lauren Davidson was getting down Glasgow City's right was phenomenal. And the fact they couldn't kind of bring anything from it would maybe disappoint them a wee bit, but it was kind of the city you're used to seeing, although I think that kind of Spartans kind of coming right at them, kind of, it, it took them by surprise a wee bit, but once they get going, um, it was a good performance from there on in, and I, I don't think you can really change much for City, I don't see why anyone would want to come in and change too much, because they're a team that's, that's been at the top of Scottish football for so long, and despite the challenges kind of coming at them, they're still the team that's holding them off, so um, I wouldn't expect to see too much changing, but uh, aye, a comfortable win. Yeah, you, you touched on it earlier on, the fact that Spartans had a, were playing pretty short in terms of the squad, and I think from what I my takeaway from it is the fact that City were able to change a couple of things up in those areas where they were able to take advantage and actually get some outputs on it really told obviously first goal as you, you quite really point out a, a brilliant ball by Maddie Fulton to put a position here through and she tucks it away really well but that second goal comes about after Tyler Dodds only been on the park a couple of minutes for Lauren Davidson and had got all that space a great ball and I'd, are we giving Hilly credit for deliberately softly hitting it do you think she meant to get a full or two on it? Like, what's what's your thought? I just thought you slide in and hope to make any contact <laughs> in that kind of position. I mean, I was sort of to the left-hand side of halfway, so I was able to see it pretty well. Um, whereas others that I was speaking to that had been reporting elsewhere at the other end and I couldn't quite tell if he had even touched it. So it was one of these ones where I kind of, she's done enough to get it in. Um, and it's, again, if you make any contact, the chance are you going to score. So I think you're just slightly braver than... And the Spartans defence and, and then Rachel Harrison and go and obviously they've got the goal there and it's it killed the game off and you felt for Spartans at that point because you've always got the fear of City can go and score goal after goal now and we've mentioned it before the amount of teams that score these the top teams scoring these goals kind of in, in many bursts and again two of them coming within two minutes it kind of killed the game as a contest for there which was a wee bit disappointing but um, I think it was certainly meant it and it was, it was definitely a hard goal as well Yeah absolutely Um and as you say, that kind of seemed to kill the game a little bit. Uh, there was a red card for Louise Mason towards the end of the game for two yells. Was there anything? I'd actually missed that until I, I was kind of trying to watch things back quickly earlier on. Um, was there anything in, much in those? Or did you think that was pretty fair? Um, they were both bookings. Um, I thought the referee in the first game actually had a really good game. It's something that a lot of the time at this level we, we kind of complain about, but he was really good. Um, the less said about the referee in the second game, the better. But this one is definitely a good game there. I think the only question was how Louise Mason took so long to get booked. A lot of challenges that she'd kind of, I mean, if Demi Carla touched on it herself, since we're probably lucky not to be off before them, um, but wasn't really complaining that she's getting in the faces of, of Glasgow City because you have to. And Spartans did that really well. Um, second one, she's went for just a wee bit late. I mean, unfortunate, but it is a yellow card and, and the referee's got them both spot on at the end of the day. So frustrating for Spartans, but. Again, they didn't really have any complaints themselves. Yeah, that, that certainly didn't seem to be the case. And then, obviously, we've touched on it as well, the third goal, uh, Priscilla Chinchia's second goal of the game. Uh, does she move, like, mid-air? 
I, I was trying to. It has. Do you want? Know do you want know See, when I was watching it, I had a touch of the John McGinn overhead kick against Austria's about it. Like everything seemed to happen in slow motion, but she seemed to be doing a little bit more in the air where I was. John was just trying to get his arse round to um, hit the ball. I mean, it's just one of these ones. Gonna when I first watched it, I thought, right, she's put it back across, go well. Um, whereas everyone else was just stunned at the fact she was off the ground. She's not, well, she's not really done too much, but seeing it back, she's kind of. It was strange just the way she's worked the body to get to it. Probably didn't have to do it, but I think the fact she's she's quite short and she's got that low centre of gravity, maybe she's had to do it to move her body. Whereas some big tall jobber like myself would just need where a hit is for it to go in, kind of thing. So that's the difference. But a very good finish from from Priscilla, and she was a player that again was one that City in that first half especially kind of tried to get on the ball and run at players and try and make something happen, given that Spartans with a, a three centre-backs had kind of made it a bit tougher for space in the middle where, where she's so used to playing. Yeah, and she's obviously come back into the team as well after a, a week kind of spell it with, with injury and you can see the impact she's starting to have again after that after that spell. But after the game, you did speak to Glasgow City head coach Eileen Gleeson and Spartans head coach Debbie McCulloch and Glasgow City midfielder Maddie Fulton. So this is what they all had to say. All three goals came from crosses, is that something you've worked on at all with the squad? Yeah, well, I mean, I've been with him for a week, so what we've been really focusing on is exploiting space in wide areas. Uh, um, Spartans, you know, uh, very high press, uh, like to be very compact in the press, so we were working on finding space in the wider areas then being direct, putting uh, the ball into the box early. So we saw a bit more of that in the second half than the first half, obviously. Was there anything in particular you changed from the first half to the second half? The Spartans in the first half didn't really give you much time on the ball, but like you say, second half there was a big yeah. improvement from City. Yeah, well, like I said, I thought we were too reactive in the first half, so we were um, not really being assertive enough in terms of the speed of play. So in terms of the second half, it was we were really emphasising that counter press uh, and being mm. compact, and then getting that switch on and then early balls into the box. Like so, things were still well enough. Um, three 0 one. You're at the cup final. Are you just kind of happy? Are you with this afternoon? Absolutely buzzing. It certainly wasn't an easy game. Spartans definitely made this fight for it, but we got the win in the end. And very happy. What was said to you at half time, given just how much Spartans have been in your face and making things tough for you? Basically, we knew we weren't good enough. We didn't create enough. I think we were forcing passes, rushing it on the ball. Um, we just had to settle and play our game and I think that's what we've done after half time. We went out, we took control of the game and then eventually got the goal. Especially after the first goal you kind of noticed you did become settled. Do you think it helped that you got a second one just as soon after yeah, as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, it just boosted our confidence and then we were able to push forward, create more opportunities and then eventually got the third. Good pass for yourself as well for Priscilla for the first goal. You just pleased to get an assist as well and kind of help out the team every way you can. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I think it was a great uh, build-up play from the whole team. Um, Eva setting it back for me and then Pri made a great run and she was able to finish it. Just as the game developed as well, the Spartans started to get more and more time on the ball in the middle of the park. That obviously helped a lot for helping you to progress forward where the first half had been you know, a bit of a struggle. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, the Spartans were starting to tire, which gave us the opportunity of space in the wide areas, able to push on. Um, but yeah, I think all credit to the Spartans. They've done really well and they gave us a tough game. So yeah, we had a couple of players that were borderline. 
Um, but we just decided to take an extra week because obviously we want to be able to like, you know, strengthen our position in the league. So, you know, that has to be a focus too. And we knew that like, you know, if you're putting players out there that are maybe, you know, 75% fit, the chances of them being put back three, four weeks is huge. Um, so yeah, lacked a wee bit of depth today. It's always nice when you've got a full bench. However, you know, um, the starting 11 were fantastic today and, and both Katie's came on and, and, you know, did his best and worked as hard as everybody else, so. You touched on it there that the result wasn't really the main thing. Was that something you kind of reiterated to the players before the game? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we, I think I said on the record that the 9-0 defeat was unacceptable and way below our standards. And we knew that if you get in at half-time, still in the game, then we had a really good chance. Um, however, we also knew that Glasgow City would come out and, you know, fling everything at us. Um, so, so yeah, we've been working on that all week. You know, I don't need to, to tell my players or motivate my players to play for Spartans. They all love the club and they want to try their best. Um, but, you know, I felt today, especially in the first half, we got the best out of the majority of our players and that's all I can ask for. It's noticeable mainly in the first half as well there that the players were given Glasgow City no time at all. Is that a main positive you can take into the league games now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think we've been doing that in league games. We've just not been getting the breaks and, you know, I look at the... We want to play a high-pressure game. We want to be flexible in our shape. You know, I think that's us played three different formations in the last five games. That shows the versatility that we have within our squad um, and it allows us to be adaptable. But, you know, yeah, the players' commitment is never ever in question. Um, but we knew there was key areas in which we wanted to show Glasgow City and win the ball. And I thought, you know, for probably about 60 minutes, the players did that exceptionally well. Battling game and unfortunately, obviously, to see the second yellow happen. Um, you still happy with that, with that kind of combative style, even if sometimes it does mean you have to kind of walk that tightrope towards the end of games? Yeah, absolutely. That was Mason's fourth yellow card, the first one anyway, so she was already missing a game. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, you know, listen, we want players to go out with their hearts on their sleeve, and when you do that, you know, it'll win you games, but there's also the other side of the coin where, like, you know, you can maybe be a wee bit late for a challenge, and, you know, the referee, I mean, to be fair, I think it maybe would have helped if she'd got booked a wee bit earlier, because I thought the referee was quite lenient in the first half, I think she had five or six challenges that easily could have been booked, um, and these things happen in football. You had a lot of space down the wide areas as well, and resulted in a couple of the chances in the first half. Just unfortunate that that didn't continue in the second half as legs started to tire, yeah? Yeah, and I, and I thought we were quite dangerous from set pieces as well, you know, and I thought we put in some good deliveries. We'd worked on that. We knew that Glasgow City don't particularly defend set pieces very well if you watch um, other games. Um, and we knew that that could be a threat. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm pleased the players, you know, the players buy into what we're trying to do. They, similar to the Celtic game, they execute the game plan down to a T. And yeah, we go away here disappointed not getting into the final and losing 3-0 and probably the manner of the goals that we lost as well. Um, however, I think we can walk away with our heads held high today because if you give everything and you don't leave anything out on that pitch, that's all I'm going to ask for. So, 3-0 win for Glasgow City and that means that they were the first team through to the final of the SWPL Cup and they will be facing Celtic who defeated Hibs 2-1 but certainly first half, uh, Hibs... I think we're going to talk about Hibs quite a bit here because it feels like this was another chance for Hibs to get one of these. We talked about it a lot with Rangers and getting these landmark wins against their rivals, but for Hibs who have maybe been perceived as dropping back a little bit, 
it feels like they do have a win against one of these teams in, in their bag, and it felt like in this game they, they were in a very good position to do it. They were. I mean, that five-minute spell that I've touched on, Dean Gibson himself has touched on, the players have looked at it. They don't really know why it's the, why they seem to switch off at the start of the second half. And it's, it's just these wee lapses in concentration in games that seem to be killing him, because in the first half, they were, they were the better side. Them Celtic looked shaky at times, and... And Hibs were kind of really capitalising on that. Um, Mini McGallagher was playing kind of wider left. She was constantly running at, running at them when she could get the ball. It was just causing bother constantly. Alexa Coyle was another one. And then they just seemed to win the midfield battle. Celtic's formation kind of seemed to change a couple of times. And Hibs took advantage of that. And obviously the goal, like we've said, fantastically well worked goal from one end of the pitch to the other. And then obviously a great strike to cap it off. Um, one that I actually applauded that wouldn't normally find yourself doing. But it was a great goal there. And you just felt that... You know, maybe this is a chance for them. It's a case of keeping it tight, and then they simply haven't done it. I mean, Jacinta came off, she came off limping. She spoke to us at the end and was covered in bruises and saying that where Hibs were just constantly kicking her because there's almost no other way to stop her. Really, really good player um, when she's on form. And, and it, was, it was well worked from uh, Clarissa Larissa at the time. Um, I think I was at Olivia Chance, one of the two, sorry, to, to put the ball back to her. And then I say it's a good strike, but Gabby English really should be saving it. I mean, she's went down well to get to it, but it's as well she's got two hands to it and let the ball slip through. And like I say, from then on, Celtic, we don't think we felt that we're going to win it. Hibs came back into it and made it a bit more of a, a tighter game towards the end, but it only ever looked like Celtic were going to be the team winning it. And then, again, Charlie Wellens goes another phenomenal strike. I mean, a bit unlucky on Hibs' perspective as well, Murray's made a great tackle. And like Dean Gibson says, I mean, that's the other end, the ball deflects uh, totally away from Hibs, whereas for Celtic, it's that well. and It's a great finish, but just wee things, just they're not getting the break and just these kind of small lapses in concentration, I think, is what kills Hibs. And if they can fix that, then who knows where they can go. But at the minute, there's, there's certainly that gap between them and then the sides that are above them in the league at the minute. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll dissect what kind of went wrong in that second half a little bit more in a wee second. But let's talk about the goal because at, at, at the time, you obviously, when you watch goals like that, you immediately just gravitate towards the strike because she hits it sweet, it's in the top corner. Never in doubt, Rachel said it herself in the interview she did the day after the game as well. She knew as soon as she hit it, it was, it was going in. But the move for it as well, Amy Muir winning the, the tackle at the back, seven, eight touches, uninterrupted, all the way build up to the touchline, a well way back in an absolute smash. It must be moves like that are really frustrating to be a member of the Hibs team because you know you can do that. And also, I'm, I'm assuming for Dean as well because he can see his team doing that and then they have these mad spells where everything just kind of seems to not down tools but just switch off by bit. Just small lapses really that will really really frustrate them. I mean there's games this season you've seen it again against Patrick this way we're ahead and different calibre of opposition but a game where Hibs were favourites for it and again even there they've just switched off a couple of times giving away some sloppy goals and it's killed them then. It's killed them in the big games. I mean you look at the game against Rangers they defended really really well in that game. But then there's just one point where they're leaving players free unmarked in the box to have a shot and go 10 yards out. Um, and it's the same here again. I mean, they're a wee bit unlucky. Celtic, a lot of the time, we're kind of reduced to shots from distance. They did defend that bit better, but it's just these small lapses where sometimes they're letting them have that shot that they shouldn't have, or rather than making the tackle at the right time, they're just waiting, and it's, it just kills them in the end. And it's a bit of a shame to see, because we've been used to Hibs being such a strong side over the last few seasons, but... You can certainly notice that kind of change. It's something that something we'll have to work on. I mean, they've, they've said themselves that they've discussed it and can't quite put their finger on it. So it's just a case of working hard and hopefully it's something that eventually they'll be able to eradicate for their game because as of just now, it is something that's costing them big time. 
Yeah, but let's flip it around the other side and, and speak about Celtic a little bit because after their disappointment in the league, obviously losing to uh, losing to Rangers uh, in the in the SWPL one, they kind of went back to one of their most commonly traits, which is coming back from a deficit. Uh, I want to talk about Jacinta a little bit as well because it felt for me when when Jacinta arrived, she arrived as a name, but maybe a name that hadn't maybe proved herself in a couple of seasons prior to. But she certainly seems to have picked up her fitness and she's getting more game time and. I've been pretty impressed where you're right. The the goal, you kind of feel like Gabby English probably should have been behind that to, to stop that going in. But Jacinta's been showing up well in these last few weeks and, and she's obviously started to add goals to her game as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously really first came to kind of everyone's notice in the UK when she was at West Ham and obviously had kind of the documentary there in West Ham were never in a great place and she was only really known for people trying to pronounce Galabaderachi and it kind of became like... That was all she was known for, and obviously moved to Napoli and was kind of in and around teams and never really seemed to settle. I mean, she was only, what, she was only just turned 20 this year and has kind of been played in England, has played in Australia, she's played in Italy, she's now in Scotland, and you're thinking it's well travelled for as young as she is. So your, your worry was always, you know, could she become settled somewhere? Like she's clearly a good player, she's got that talent, and it's still very young, so there's still plenty to work on. But you're thinking, is she going to settle somewhere? And, and even at Celtic, there was spells there where she wasn't in the squad or she had kind of just dropped out the teams on the bench and you're thinking, is she going to be the same and be on the move again? But um, in the last couple of months, she really has kind of come to the fore at Celtic and she was their best player on Sunday. Sometimes kind of want to shoot from too far out or pick the wrong pass or something like that. But it's kind of, it's good that she wants to attack and she was Celtic's main threat in that aspect. Um, I mean, they made two changes at halftime as well that kind of changed things a wee bit and just meant that I mean, Tegan but coming on was one especially who's, who's kind of got that pace and can kind of run down the wing a bit more to create the space in the middle for just and it worked. So she's a player that I do like watching. Um, let's say she came off that part the other day, I mean, totally black and blue. I've been booted around everywhere. But again, that's just a sign of how good she is on the ball and how hard she is to stop. I and mean, you could see plenty of times she was going past Tibbs players and the only way to get to them, get to her, sorry, would be kicking her. So she's one that... Um, I'm sure Fran, I'm not Fran, Fran like him from his own time down south as well. You know how she can how she can play. And then clearly she's seen here at Celtic, he's almost making her the focal point a lot of the time. I mean, Charlie Wellens is getting a lot of plaudits for, for the goal she's scoring, but again, Centre's playing a big part in creating a lot of them. And, and Sunday was, was one of her best performances for Celtic. So um it's hopefully something we'll see more of because she's certainly a player that you want to see in the league, the sort of talents that you like to look at and think, look, she's a player here that when you get the ball, you think something's gonna happen. And, and Sunday was a good example of that. You, you mentioned obviously one of the changes that one of the changes at half time. There was obviously two two changes because Meng Shen came on as well. But Tegan Barry, who I uh, I was helping somebody do, uh, do a bit of an analytical piece on Celtic earlier on in the season, and I I pinpointed Tegan Barry as somebody who really makes a difference for Celtic when when she's on the park. And uh, I think obviously in this game and uh, I think against Rangers in the SWPL Cup when, when Celtic won now, both times she made a difference when she came on and. I think it's important, speaking a bit broadly, because we are going to talk about the national team in a wee bit, that while we have these exciting players like Jacinta, like Shane Mignou, like the players we've been talking about already, Purcell G as well, we still have these young Scottish players making an impact. And I've always been very impressed with Tegan Brown. She seems to be coming on at another, another level this season for me. Jazz, I mean, even without the ball, I think some of the, a lot of the runs she makes are quite smart. Let's say that then creates the space for some of the, the other players in the squad. And... I mean, Celtic's bench, actually, on Sunday, when you looked at it, I mean, they were sitting down in front. I mean, again, there's so many young players in there that you think that really could make a difference for them kind of in, in time coming. I mean, Chloe Warrington's there, Cat McGovern's another one that are both sitting there and can make a difference. Um, Tegan Bowes, you say, come on in. She did make a difference. I mean, Celtic weren't out of the game in the first half, but they just seemed to be lacking something, and I think the two changes certainly made a big difference there. Um, 
Shen as well. First time I've actually seen her in person, uh, in playing in person. Sorry, and she she wasn't afraid to put an attack on. It's something that you kind of you maybe not expecting from a player that's been signed. That's kind of well, she's the first Chinese player to be there or whatever, and you're expecting her to be kind of more creative and things. But she was certainly putting in the fight there, um, with the Chinese fans as well that have been supporting Celtic clearly liked on the far side. Um, and like Celtic's video shows as well, they're also there supporting the rest of the team, which is another good thing to see. So Celtic have, um, as well as we're talking about the kind of continental talent there, it's good to have these kind of Scottish players, like you're saying, like Tegan Bowie, and she's one that, again, I think is maybe not going to settle down a position at Celtic, but given time, I'm sure she will do. And she's one that, again, still very young, but give these players time, give them get more games in kind of the top flight and in the cups and things like that. And then I'm sure you'll see them grow and then given time, hopefully that'll benefit the national side as well. Yeah, absolutely. But let's let's talk about one of the other players that came in over the summer because she was once again the difference. Um, she got the goal against Rangers and she gets the winner against Hibs. And it was the, the striker's goal that we are all becoming very quickly accustomed to from, from Charlie Wellings. Not a lot of time to hit it, snap it. But I mean, as soon as she hit it, it was it was going only one place but in. And it obviously was enough to give Celtic the win. Yeah, it was a great strike. I mean, the one fear with Celtic at that point was, you think, where are they going to get the goal from? I mean, they were the team that was on top. Um, we'd been in Sterling from half 11. By this point, it was even half six. An extra time was something none of us really wanted. So it was good to see someone win the game. But it was one that Hibs would be disappointed to lose it when they did. But I mean, from Charlie Wellen's point of view, she's not even facing kind of the goal. First, just kind of turns to get to the ball and just without even looking, like you say, just rattles the thing in off the bar. And, that aesthetic of the ball going in via the crossbar is always great for us as well. So just a very good goal to watch. Um, one I think that Celtic then deserved by the end of it. But again, she'd been pretty quiet throughout most of the game. Like Jacinta was the one that was really the standout for Celtic. And But again, it shows you that even if someone's maybe not having a great game, a player that's really good and will just go and score with that one chance. And, and Charlie Wellens proved that. Very good finish. And um, her first goal in the cup as well. I think this this season as well. I'm sure you told me that. So it's a, a very good finish and, and one that definitely puts Celtic through. Our second goal in the cup, but it's okay. Our first goal you was against Rangers. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I uh, second goal. I obviously get the winner against Rangers as well. But I two one win for Celtic, which puts them through to the final. After the game, you spoke to Jacinta and Hibernian midfielder Rachel Boyle, and this is what they both had to say. A goal for yourself and you're in the cup finals, how happy are you with today? Yeah, amazing. I mean, we started off the game uh, and you know, our captain and all the players just said this is something that we wanted to get into a cup final and uh, we just said we'd do whatever it takes to do it and we came out second half and we were behind but we came out fighting and we got the good, we got the results so that's good. Obviously a goal down at half time, is it important you think then to come out and score as quickly as you did in Yeah, half? definitely. We said to ourselves at half time we'll come in and we'll fight and we'll try and get an early goal and lift the spirits. So that was good what we did. We came out aggressive and we got the early goal and lifted our spirits. A good strike from yourself. Do you want to talk us through the goal? Uh, I don't know. I just, um, we did finishing <laughs> on, uh, I think, Friday. So I don't, know, I don't know. I just had enough time to take a touch and shoot and hope for the best. So luckily it went in. Obviously late on there, it was kind of a tight game and with 10 minutes ago, you're thinking it might end up going extra time. So was it just pleasing that you got the goal when you did? Yeah, no, it was really, really good. Um, we just wanted to keep fighting. We were prepared for extra time. We have quite a fit team and we're ready for extra time and penalties if it was needed. But luckily we got the goal and we fought out to the end, so it was good. It's a great strike from Charlie as well. Is it good to playing alongside someone that good that's obviously scoring goals every week? Yes, definitely. Charlie's an amazing asset to the team. We have you know someone in this team that can score. We know if you give her the ball, she's probably going to score almost every time, so it's really good having her in the team. Well, Glasgow City in the final, obviously a tough game, but you looking forward to it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a side, we know how good they are, but we're also a good team as well, and we're going to fight and win, and hope for the win.
just a, one extra that was, you know, the first half struggled really to get on the ball and find, not not just get on the ball but find space to actually yeah. affect play. Second half, that opens up a little bit yeah, more definitely. for you. What did I you change? They came out quite aggressive and me and uh, Clarissa, the other number 10, we were getting marked quite tightly. Um, so it was hard for us to find pockets to get on the ball. Uh, but I think second half, we had more stamina than them and me and um, the other 10 at the time could get on the ball more and create more opportunities at the front, which is good. Disappointing afternoon, obviously, Rachel. Um, what are your thoughts after that? Yeah, obviously really disappointing. I thought coming in at halftime, we were obviously one goal up. Um, I thought the performance was there by the whole team. We were putting our bodies on the line and, and making it really difficult for Selic. Uh, we knew in the second half they were going to come at us and we haven't responded to that. Uh, we've conceded a soft goal straight after the halftime and then we collected ourselves and got back into the game. But they get the stroke of luck where the ball just falls to the girl and it's fair play here. it's a great finish. I think Celtic scored in so soon after halftime made a big difference in the second half in particular? Yeah, I think it does. I think if you look back on the league results we've had as well, we've we've got a habit of conceding goals at the wrong times. Um, so we need to rectify that and rectify it quickly. Um, unfortunately, we've conceded again and such a big occasion and I think it's cost us dearly. What do you put that down to, the sort of that five-minute spell after half-time where as Dean's touched on as well, he seemed to concede quite a few goals? I don't know. We've we've sat down and spoke about this, and to be honest, we can't really put our finger on it. We've tried coming out early after half times to try and get moving and get the the feet going again. And to be honest, it's just a lack of concentration um, from the team as a collective. We've probably switched off, and at this level, you can't allow us to do that. Obviously, it's disappointing going out, but from a personal point of view, you've scored a great goal this afternoon. Do you want to talk us through it? <laughs> as soon as it left my foot, I knew it was going in. Um, no, we've worked it really well across the box and, and Shannon's just put it on a plate for me just to step on and strike it and yeah, don't score many like that, so I'll take it. What positives can you take from this afternoon? Because especially first half, you were really on top of Celtic for the last period, so what can you take out of this into the league campaign? I think the positive is probably the performance and the collectiveness that we had as a group. We stuck by each other right to the very end, we were fighting for one another and putting our bodies on the line, which maybe we haven't done in the past and league games gone by. So. Yeah, I think we need to build on that and, and build on the togetherness that we've got and, and really drive forward. So the final was decided Celtic against Glasgow City, December the 5th at Fur Hill. I think you touched on it earlier on as well, the fact that it's two Glasgow sides playing in Glasgow at a, a venue that everybody knows and is pretty easy to get to in the context of some venues in women's football in Scotland. It's got a lot of potential to be a, a really good day on, on that Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it was a good crowd bad in there when, when Hibs played Motherwell a few years ago, and obviously that was a very one-sided final at the time, and, and Motherwell just got promoted, and, and Hibs were in that real in the midst of that real great period of there. So this time, I think you'll get a, a closer final. Like you say, it's, it's two teams from Glasgow as well, which hopefully will mean a good crowd. Um, I think Celtic, the men's team playing before that game, probably won't help, but I hope we'll still get a decent crowd in, as you're saying there, and I think it's, I mean, Firhill is a venue that, it's a good size for kind of women's football games as well. Maybe not the best stand. I'm sure the fans will be packed into with the with the pillars and things in the road. But it's a venue that's in a decent enough place, and it means that with no real travel for two sides based in the city as well. Hopefully, people will turn out to watch it and be able to break another record when it comes to, to cup final attendances. Yeah, interesting to talk about the stands. I was thinking about this because you're right. The Hibs Motherwell game it was in that side, but when Scotland have played uh, youth internationals, yeah, like at the Euros. It was the other side. And then when well, I've seen Rangers B have played there, they played on the other side in the Jackie Husband. So it'll be interesting to see. But I would like to think it would go in the Jackie Husband purely because it's a bigger stand, nicer space, better viewing viewing for, for people that turn up. But um we will we will see see what happens with that one. 
it comes down obviously to kind of TV camera angles and things and for how obviously normally films on the other side. Um, I mean, I was there for you like to mention the women's Euros, the under 19s, they were on that side. Whereas when I watched Scotland 17s, I think the men's game was the other side, and it's it always changes. It's, it's not the best stand to be in, but like I say, it's, it's not the worst ground for the place to be either. So I think if you're a fan, you want it the other side, but we'll see what happens. But either way, as long as it's good on the pitch, I'm not really caring. I'm not really sure if people will be caring where they're watching it from. So hopefully we get a good game, um, and that's the main thing. Yeah, I was, it's funny we've, we've got, got sidetracked by this because I think there was a piece by Tom Gary talking about camera angles uh, at WSL grounds for the Women's Football Weekend where they had, I think it was uh, I think it was Brighton that was maybe referenced in particular, where, no, so it was a Leicester game where they had all the fans in the camera side, so it looked like it was empty, but actually there was like 6,000 folk or something at it. So it's just, it's an interesting thing, and we speak about the perception and how people take to women's football and how you build hype for it. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But yeah, we'll obviously be hyping it up. Um, my life starts to, is starting to calm down a little bit as well, which is nice, so I should be able to spend a bit more time putting my attention to it, which is good stuff. Um, and I tell you what, this is a nice transition, Campbell, because we are talking about hyping up the women's game. And... Uh, Today, the day we're recording on, there has been a new sponsor announced for the SWPL. The Parks Motor Group has uh, signed up for the, the remainder of the 2021-22 season. And um, yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a, a cloud hanging over the SWPL this season. We haven't had a, a sponsor since Scottish Bill Society stepped away at the end of last season. But having somebody come in to take over the reins for a season, and obviously we maybe have to do this dance again with, with potential partners next summer, but... It's good to finally have somebody's name and the backing that comes with that to the, to the title. It's good for us, maybe not for you. Me, you always struggled with the SBS, SWPL, didn't you? So I don't know if Pax Motor Group will become the PMG. PMG. The, the I PMG hope not for, you, for your case. Yeah. <laughs> so you got it right that time. Um, no, it's certainly a good thing. Um, of some of the things we discussed earlier on for recording, um, maybe not great for it, but it's just good to have a kind of sponsor there again that rather than just, oh, it's the SWPL. I mean, we've had the problem with, you get it with a lot of leagues sometimes where they just take that time to get a sponsor, but at least here it's going to get a bit more, um, a bit more added notice to the league. It was on STV News no long before we started recording as well. And it's just good to see that actually these people suddenly begin to care about women's football and maybe showing it that bit more than previously have done. So hopefully it's something that continues. It's something that the players were, were happy to have as well. And it just kind of means there's an added, kind of added incentive um, for companies to go and sponsor it for the players there it means more money as well and just and overall it's just a positive thing that hopefully it goes well and maybe we'll see Parks extend that um, in the next season and beyond their contracts so hopefully, hopefully it's something that kind of helps us out in the long run we talk about kind of getting money in and it's not easy for clubs especially when you've, like you've mentioned attendances where you're not really getting many folk into games and then when you do a lot of it's kind of free tickets and things for your bigger venues so Hopefully, it just means more money for them, and it'll be something better for the clubs to, to kind of work towards. Yeah, and, it, and it'll be interesting to see exactly what impact having a, a sponsor has on those kind of things. Because working with brands, sometimes it's part of what I do. You you are very aware of perception in terms of what what you're backing and providing. So it'll be very interesting to see how that ties in. And you've mentioned obviously these marquee games, I know Celtic have announced one for March next year, which feels like a very long way away to do it. I like the date they've done it on in International Men's Weekends is a good idea. It feels like a very, very long way. And then Hearts have also announced that they're going to play Hibs in the return in the Derby at Tencastle. So, I mean, I've always said these marquee games are good, but I think there is definitely a discussion about how they turn into week-in, week-out attendances and perhaps Campbell sponsors help with that a little bit. Potentially, yeah. I mean, I think 
scheduling of games is always something that kills it. Many times you'll see an SWPL kind of multiple games kicking off at the same time or teams playing at the same time as their men's team. And as much as we wanted to grow, ultimately a lot of fans are more interested in watching their men's side than the other women's side. So when you've got them then playing at the same time, it doesn't help anything. So hopefully this is a bonus. Um, it doesn't mean that every car, gonna, everyone that's got a car with parts are then suddenly going to turn up and go, I'm going to go and watch a women's game just because they sponsor it. But again, it's some, some other name that's going to give an... It's given more notice to the league, more people are able to see it, and then just hopefully it then increases attendance. It's it's not an overnight fix. We've seen that. We're gonna hope the World Cup would change it. Um, WSL again, a lot of the time they're kind of still complaining about their attendances, and even though they're far higher than what we've got up here, um, there's still work to improve and, and places to grow. So hopefully it will change it. Um, we'll see how long that takes. Right enough. Yeah, we will indeed. But yeah, it's good to have somebody on board at last. So. From that point, let's talk about the other league in the SWPL because we've talked quite a lot about obviously the SWPL Cup, but there was one game in SWPL two this weekend, and it was Dundee United at home to St Johnston. Well, I say at home at Forfar Athletic Station Park, um, as the Dundee United admin was very happy to talk about quite a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, early goal from uh, St Johnston. Obviously, Jason McCrindles stepped away from the the head coach role there um, uh, after. A pretty successful time in terms of getting them up kind of a couple of divisions and into the SWPL. But yes, yeah, St. Johnson took an early through Morgan Steedman, but once Dundee United equalised, it, it seemed like they, they kind of took control in 1-5-1, but it certainly wasn't straightforward by, by what we've been told about it. No, it was not. I mean, St. Johnston, I had a tough start of the season, like we've said, and you have noticed improvements. I mean, I saw them against Kilmarnock, and as much as they lost kind of 4-2 that day, they, they still had plenty of chances and were never really out of the game. And there's been improvements there. They've got players that know what they're doing at SWPL2 level and are certainly of a good enough quality to be kind of competing with the teams like the United. Um, and then they've got the goals. I get a brilliantly timed run from Morgan Steedman um, to get through for the opener and just taking it very well. And for Johnston, when you've really got something to hold on to there when you're playing kind of a team that's expected to beat you, um, that's going to help them certainly. And I think to Johnston, from what, again, from what we've, we've heard of this game and, and from what we've seen of it, they were never allowed of it there. United obviously kind of stepped things up in the second half and, and once they kind of got their way back into it and kind of got themselves ahead again, there was only one team going on to win the game. But again, there's positives there for St Johnston and if they can kind of maybe just tighten up at the back a wee bit so that they're not conceding too many goals, it's then I'm sure they'll start taking points off kind of these teams up at the top end of the table like they're doing with others down the bottom end too. So um, there's more to come for St Johnston, but um, ultimately obviously United have got the three points there and it puts them back top of the table. Um after the win at Queen's Park last week as well. Yeah, go top of the table and goal difference ahead of Glasgow. I mean, both teams undefeated so far this season, so it's turning into a bit of a ding-dong. Kamarnock a little bit further back, but I think play both before the end the Christmas break as well, so they could could really shake things up a little bit at the top of the table. And yeah, as soon as we see something about a new head coach and St. Johnson being announced, we'll, we'll get it shared out there as well. But let's keep it kind of SWPL2 and SWPL1 by talking about Player of the Month. They were obviously announced this week as well. And Campbell, I think for me, the, the two options that have, I think, first of all, the process behind the players that are getting picked seems a lot better now. And I know that there is now, behind the way that the players are nominated, there is some data getting used to help back up. So it's the old eye test and, and numbers test now, now coming together. But I also think the two the two choices that have ended up winning it in Rachel McLaughlin and Cara Henderson, um, I don't think there's, there shouldn't be too much consternation that they've won it. People maybe have a different opinion, but I think there's nothing nothing wrong with the two that have won it for sure. And I think they're both well-deserved in terms of what they've done. 
Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the nominees are kind of are getting more deserved now than, like you've said before, and again, having stats to back up what people are actually watching will help it as well. Um, I still feel when it comes to then the actual public vote, it does become a popularity contest, and it's tough when you see, it's tough to kind of hold out the integrity there when you've got players that are obviously players that want their friends to vote and things, and it then just becomes, oh, vote for such, such a vote for me, or vote for whoever, and that's good that they're then getting more votes. Than, I'm sure the numbers in total will be a lot higher, but again, Sometimes if you've not got as big a following as some other players, you might not win when you've perhaps been the better player. But in this case, I don't think uh, that was really what happened. Um, Rachel McLaughlin has been really involved in Rangers there, like they say, the one, three, their four games um, in October as well. Again, getting assist is a real part of her game at the minute. Rangers, like we say, with their fullbacks quite often, um, going forward seems to be their, their real strong point. Um, and both will chip in with goals and assists throughout the season. Cara Henderson, um, on the other hand, have... I saw her in the first game in November for Glasgow Women and she got the winning goal that day against uh, Boromir and was a really integral part of their play that day as well. So um, having carried on her October form and then has won the, man, uh, the player of the match, player of the month there, sorry, for for a team that, as you say, are unbeaten and doing really well at the top end of the table. And um, I'm sure that will please her, certainly. It will please the team as well, given that it's been a bit of a tough time for them off the pitch. But, but on the pitch, they're doing really well and Cara's a deserved winner too. So two players that... I've had a good month, um, and that's been shown, obviously, by winning the award, and for once, I think it's the right decision. Yeah, I think everybody knows about Rachel McLaughlin and the kind of season she's been having, but I think this is one of the benefits of it now being separate SWPL1 and SWPL2 awards as well, because I think we both felt that having the one award for the entire SWPL didn't really work. And I think Carrie Henderson is actually maybe one of the players that goes a little bit under the under the radar at Glasgow Women. So when I actually saw she was nominated, I was kind of pleasantly surprised because I always think whenever I watch Glasgow Women that she's one of the players that they always maybe rely on a little bit. They talk, we often talk about Lucy Ronald and, and Caitlin Canavan, but I always feel like Cara gets a little bit of lean on as well. And yeah, I was I was pleased to see that she was one of the ones to pick up the award. But yeah, Player of the Month awards, they they are what they are, which is a, a celebration of good, good, good football for a month, well played. Um Last thing we've got to talk about, Scotland national team, uh, the squad for the upcoming qualifiers against Ukraine and Spain. And the Scotland national team tweeted out the word massive. And you know what? They are massive because this run of the next four games, which is kind of split double headers against Ukraine and Spain, will pretty much determine whether we are going to make a playoff place or not make a playoff place for the for the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. Um, we were just having a wee chat about it beforehand, like we always do. And I think we were both not taken aback, but we both kind of realised we seem to have quite a strong squad again because Kirsty Smith, Christy Murray and Martha Thomas are all back in after injury and it, it feels a bit more robust. I think the last couple of squads have been not propped up but have had obviously a number of youngsters in it that maybe weren't going to get game time which kind of proved to be the case and it feels like there's a more kind of options that maybe Pedro Martinez Lota will lean on as a, as a first choice. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it. I mean, when I read through it again, there was no player I looked at and thought, oh, you don't deserve to be there. And there's obviously a lot of chat about some players missing out. But again, you look at the squad and think, well, who do you take out then to let them in? So it's, it's kind of tough that way. Um, I think having Martha Thomas back is one that I personally would like to see kind of, kind of play a wee bit more. I think we've talked about it before where you know, maybe kind of these hungry games and things, if she can be the kind of, kind of focal point there. And obviously it was kind of, it was tough. We're missing out the last one, but these are the sort of games where you're going to need someone to kind of hold that ball up front. I think it's something that we maybe missed a wee bit in those games, but got away against lesser opposition. And there's one I'd like to see kind of um, 
starting games, but there's good options all over the pitch there for Scotland. I think, like we've touched on before, the back four seems to be kind of settled. Um, my worry there again is the fullbacks, like we've touched on the Rangers, both great going forward, but I think if they're doing that against the likes of Spain, they will get picked off. You saw it against Hungary, you see it for Rangers as well when they play some of the top teams. They were if they're pinned back to defend, they don't always cope very well with it, so that's maybe a worry especially when you get up against the Spain side that is obviously full of phenomenal players at the minute. Um, but Ukraine games, they're the two that you look at and go, they are must win. If we don't win them, you're not getting anything. Obviously, the playoff um, would be hopefully in kind of... Spain are expected to win every game in the group, so if we lose to Spain, there's no shame in that, but your hope is keeping the score fairly low down so we've then got a chance of being one of the playoff sides. But again, you have to beat Ukraine. We've done well to win our first four games. And we need to keep that up. Um, first three games, sorry. We need to keep that up going into these uh, these two matches coming up. So it's an important double-double header. And it's points that I think Scotland are, the games I think Scotland are really going to need to take points in. Like you said, um, massive is certainly the word to use. Yeah, I think there uh, will be... I think it's interesting going into... We're going to hear from Pedro Martinez Bossa in, in a wee moment. Um, but I think it's always interesting going into the press conferences for these uh, squads because... Pretty much every every press conference, they ask, there's a question about the Spain game, and I think reality is the Spain game is please don't get beat really badly. As as because Spain are just on a different level. They, they defeated Ukraine six 0 um, in their in their last qualifier, but the the Ukraine game at hand and the opportunity to continue a hundred percent start to the the campaign against our nearest rivals for this playoff spot, who have. Brought in their own Spanish influence. Luis Cortez has come in, the former Barcelona Femenini head coach, and was in charge of them when they won the Champions League. And I'm sure will implement a, a style of his own. Um, but yeah, this this Ukraine game is is massive. Um, but as I said, I did uh, jump on the press conference and spoke to Pedro Martinez Lota and asked him about the call-ups that he made and obviously about the fact that he could be uh, facing up with one of his old uh, compatriots uh, in Luis Cortez. And this is what he had to say. Yes, I think we discussed about this one. We want to also provide opportunities to young players, but at the same time, we want to, as I said, insisted before, we want to feel that all the players are uh, considered to be selected for the national team, all the players who can play consistently for their teams to perform and to play at the highest level. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a balance between what we want to build for the future and, and perform uh, for today. I think we will have time in another camps to, to look for the future, to review the, the, um, the, the pathways for the young ones and to support them, uh, which, which I've been doing in, in, in the last few months. But there's also obviously uh, great to have players with the spirit that, that can uh, make an immediate impact into the team because they already are, have been exposed to these, these levels of uh, competition and high performance. You mentioned uh, as well that Ukraine have got a new head coach, uh, Luis Cortes, um, obviously very successful at Barcelona. Do, do you know Luis at all? Have you crossed paths before? Yes, yes, I know Luis and I love uh, Jorge Vilda, also as a good friend, a Spanish national team coach, because we have a parallel pathways. Uh, I, I just started uh, a little before than them, so they just have been joining into the into the into the train. But yeah, uh, Luis is a very talented coach from coming from the academy from Barcelona. He uh, managed to be very successful. He was assistant coach first, and then he, he managed to, to, to get the position of the head coach. Uh, managed to work very well with this contest at Barcelona and win historical uh, Champions League. 
and probably now he's looking for a new challenge in another context so he will be looking to to prove that uh, as well as Jorge is just working very well with the youth uh, national team in Spain and and now he's a head coach of the national team so I think all my respect to them but also to other coaches that the, the fact that I know a little more details about them probably is helpful but also probably they will they will think the same yeah, from me so they will probably know a ram of more corner, a couple of more corners that other coaches know in my way of working, etc. I was going to ask, there's again my last question. When a new head coach comes in to an opposition, does it change your game plan at all? Do, have you, do you need to reassess things? What, what does that do for your preparations? Well, definitely there will be an impact from the new coach in, in some things, but what it cannot change is, is the players and the players' behaviour from one day to another one. It happens the same with, with us when we arrive to Scotland. I think the changes in the behaviours and the, the patterns of play, it comes with the time. Uh, yes, he will be able to, what you can do is to give energy, belief, uh, some game plan and details to the to the players. But I think in terms of the de uh, the full details of what we can expect from the, from the opponent, I think uh, it will not be... Uh, a big variation. Of course, we have to consider, obviously, we have to know that there's a new coach and we have to prevent the players that they may uh, find uh, uh, other other ways to, to play or set plays or details in the game. We will know, uh, obviously, from, from their next match more details, but uh, I think there's not much also that you can do in just a couple of training sessions, not just for Luis, but also for me when I just arrived to our first game against Hungary. It was yeah. Your impact is just probably more about the banding and, uh, and and the spirit and and the general ideas. We won't uh, we won't go too much into the games just now, Campbell. I think we'll save that for next week, obviously, and do a bit of a bit more of a preview. But you touched on the squad and the fact that maybe a couple of names have maybe missed out recently, and I think there's one that's been on the lips of a couple of people, and I think I think it's worth having a wee conversation about, and that's Haley Lauder who. I can't remember who I was speaking to the other weekend. I was, it was somebody who has been taking an interest in women's football hasn't been taking an interest as much as in the past. And they were pointing out how Hayley Lauder just looks a different level for Glasgow City than even some of Glasgow City's better players. And part of me did go, if you're looking for experience for those kind of games, there is a, there is a case for Hayley perhaps being called up into a squad. There's certainly a case to be made there. I mean... The problem is just you look at other players that are really on form as well, and you just well, do they deserve to be taken out? And could we put another player? I don't think you're allowed to do so. So I mean, it's, it's kind of tough. I mean, Haley obviously had went through some injury problems and maybe wasn't kind of part of the squads early on, and I think that is something that Pedro maybe looked at and thought, well, she's not been there. I've kind of got used to working with this group. I want to keep them there. But she come back at Glasgow City has been doing really well there. Like we say, get the second goal on Sunday as well, and. She has a phenomenal player. The fact you can just kind of switch between both feet so easily as well certainly helps. But um, it's a tough one because as much as I'd like to see her in there, there's other players in there that I think also deserve that chance. So it's kind of tough. Um, would she start? Perhaps not. So, I mean, I think if Pedro's got an idea of what his starting 11 is going to be, then it's a case of, well, does he think he needs another player in that position to come on? It's only him that can tell us why she's not in the squad. Um, but... Again, if she was there, I certainly wouldn't be against it. Um, and I can understand the reason for her not being there too. So, again, it's a tough one. But it's Pedro that makes the decisions. And ultimately, for now, she's not there. Will she be in the next squad? Perhaps. We'll never know. But for now, it's um, it's up to the players that he's picked. And we'll see how they go on next week. It's indeed Pedro's decision and not us two jobbers, for sure. But the, the, I think the, the interesting thing that, that Haley would have brought to the squad 
Um, as you talked about the fullbacks, obviously Kirsty Smith's back, so we now have two right back options in Rachel McLaughlin and Kirsty Smith. Left hand side, we've got Nicola Doherty. Rachel Boyle seems to slip in at right back sometimes as well, and she can also play midfield and has slipped in at left back as well. And it just would have maybe provided another option, but as you quite like to point out, we've made a hundred percent start to the season uh, to the campaign, so. It's, it's a point of worth of discussion, but I don't think it's anything to, to, to criticise or debate as a negative at the moment because the squad's doing the job that it needs to do. And if that happens again on Friday night against Ukraine and whatever the game against Spain brings in Seville the, the following week, then good times. Yeah, I mean, I would worry, especially after kind of the defeats to Finland, the Portugal, and then the Euros qualification there was looking at players thinking, right, this is a really good squad, but it's a lot of them are coming kind of today. And Kim Little's obviously left, and you're thinking, who's coming through now? So the fact that here we are all a year and a bit later, and things you're looking at it and going, well, we've actually got a really good squad there, and we're now debating players that well, why are they not in the squad. So the fact that it's still really strong is certainly a positive there, and hopefully we can kind of continue that that feel good factor that's that's around the national side at the moment. One hundred percent. And you know the best way to continue that feel good factor is by getting down to Hamden next Friday night for the game. Uh, usual usual stick, uh, £10 to get in if you're a member of the Sports, Sports Club. It's free, £5 for youngsters, it's family packages. And it's a Friday night, and Friday night football is always a lot of fun. And as much fun as I, when I was against Hungary, hopefully things are a little bit more straightforward. But you know what? If you get that same drama, that'll be class. But um, yeah, that wraps up for this week. So, Campbell, thank you very much, as always, for coming on and, and chatting all things women's football. You're welcome. Nice. <laughs> um, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe and we will speak again soon.